Mulberry Memories, Chapter 1, The Introduction. Before I begin this reading of Mulberry Memories, it's important that I go through how this story will be told. The story of Mulberry Memories is told from two different perspectives. One is the perspective of the omniscient narrator. One is the perspective of myself when I was 13 years old and going through the events as they happened. I will differentiate the two narrators by speaking in two different ways. When I speak more formally, as I am now, that is the cue that I am speaking in the voice of the omniscient narrator. When I am speaking as the 13-year-old Stephen, I will speak in a more high-pitched voice, a slightly more energetic, a little bit more flustered-sounding voice, such as I am right now. And I hope that the uh, differences will not be so confusing. So beginning. Mulberry Memories, Chapter 1, The Introduction. It's probably the story told more times than any, and perhaps could be counted in a collection entitled The Puberty-Stricken Boy's Guide to the Last Days of Innocence. This story isn't called that, however, but for its author's sake, we shall call it Mulberry Memories. Of course, it all started with a boy, about 13 years of age, named Stephen. Obviously, he would be the kid who was used to being bullied, but would come to a new school and meet the greatest group of friends he would ever have. Without a doubt, he would fall in love and of course he would grow old enough to have the attention span enough to write this novel. Or at least I hope he does. Only time will tell. I suppose we should start in the old school that we shall here call Hell on Earth Junior High, or if we want to be more civil, Bellowworth Junior High School. I shall let nostalgia take it from here. Essaoi, said another chunty, acting like I didn't understand a word he said. Of course, I really didn't understand a word he said, but I wasn't stupid. I got the frickin' idea. Hi, my name is Stephen. No cute nicknames, please. I hate them all as they are. So please just call me Stephen, or if you must, Steve. I've been dealing with jokers like that chunty back there for at least three years. To be honest, it's not as bad as it used to be. I recall when kids of all races used to beat me up on the playground. Now I've learned as long as you leave other people alone, they leave you alone. So I don't get into any more fights. I just walk by and act like I'm busy. To be honest, I think the only reason they don't like me is because I don't cuss. I don't make dirty jokes. And as far as a lot of the more suggestive words in the dictionary go, I'm pretty ignorant. You, who are probably reading this like 50 years in the future because you're tired of life and want to find something that'll destroy your good memories of youth and push you over the edge into committing suicide, well, I'm sorry to disappoint you. But I'm switching schools next week. I'm not sure how the new school will be, but at least I know I have a couple of friends there. Their names are 
well, we'll just say that their names for the sake of privacy or for avoiding lawsuits when this book becomes a New York Times bestseller, your poison, their names are Alan and Craig. Now, me and Craig go way back, all the way to our fourth grade year. He was one of the few friends I had until he started going to Mulberry with Alan, and I guess soon myself. I just can't wait to get away from here. Ah, it could be called Stephen's Exodus, the final day at Bellowworth. So what do you think of my alternate narrator so far? Like you're going to answer me, right? Seriously, though, this guy is a whiner. I just can't get away way to get away from here. Dude, it may not be perfect, but you're getting a free public education and Spanish lessons to boot. Oh, well, perhaps time heals all foolish ideas. Anyway, I believe it's time I stopped talking and we moved on to Mulberry. Get your butt ready! It's a 15-minute drive to Mulberry, and you don't want to be late on your first day. Probably thought that was my mom, right? No, that was me, talking to myself, as I habitually do. The drive to Mulberry was one of exquisite beauty. As the car drove down old Rutherford Road, and the Beach Boys played in my radio, it was like a classic movie scene. Little brother and sister in the back, clawing at each other's throats. My mom talking to me and myself not listening to a word she said, but getting lost in the harmonies. Craig showed me around the school when I got there. It was a small school, a playground, and three or four buildings built for various purposes. So how does the schedule work around this place? Is it, like, easy or tough? I asked him. Pretty easy, I guess. We have morning recess and class, then recess and class, then lunch and class, and then P.E., he responded. Isn't P.E. a class, I inquired. Shoot, no. What do you think this is, Bellowworth, he responded. My heart was already filled with joy at this concept. Of course, P.E. not being a class, I would later find out was a bit of an exaggeration. That's it. Just a bit of an exaggeration. Not a huge one. Just a bit. P.E. outside of sports season included these activities. One, play a sport. Trying optional. Two, hi, so Mrs. Salazar couldn't catch you being lazy. Or three, run laps. Running, optional. I have to admit, it was awkward at first being in a single class again with one teacher. But it was very cozy. Our teacher was Mrs. Etcher. A very nice lady, but she didn't take bull from anyone. Not even Craig's masterful charm was enough to get past her watch. Craig, where's your homework? She asked one day. 
Well, I opened up my window on the car ride over here, and it, like, blew out. He responded. No recess for you, she responded in a strange tone of voice. I was shocked. That excuse would always fly at Bella Worth. The next day, Craig, where is your homework? She asked. I didn't get it. He replied, of course, not getting it is a perfectly substantial answer, right? That should have ended the interrogation right there, right? Wrong. What didn't you get, Craig? She asked. I was sweating bullets. What would Craig do next? I didn't know how to spell a word, he said. There. Ha <laughs> ha, Mrs. Etcher. You can't beat this cat. It was in the book, Craig, she sharply chimed. The class all grinned in the direction of Craig, waiting for a response from this mind-boggling comeback. Uh, I believe was the word that escaped his lips. No recess for you, she once again said. Craig was not one to give up, though. The next day, the same question came from Mrs. Etcher's lips. Craig, where is your homework? And Craig, in perhaps the most cunning and sly maneuvers I've ever seen from a man, said in this brilliantly executed reply, Well, you see, Mrs. Etcher, the homework was too easy. So I didn't do it. There was a pause. A mixed sense of tension and suppressed giggles was in the room as the two rivals stared each other down. Craig, that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard, she charged. Well, then make the homework harder, he countered. No, screamed the class. Craig, she said in a thunderous voice that would have made Zeus jealous. No recess for you. That was how a lot of days went at Mulberry, always full of harmful debates between student and teacher. Not every moment, however, was spent in the classroom. Thank goodness. In the early days of my time in Mulberry, I would hang out mostly with Craig and Alan at recess. Alan was a guy who went to my church. He was an average height, had short hair, and had kind of a shifty look to him. But he was a good guy. Man, Craig, you are a BK, Alan said one day. BK, I asked? As in... Burger King? Nah, fool. BK as in bad kid. Over time, a group would form with Isaac, another average height guy with short black hair. And he always looked crazy because he had some form of ADHD. And there was John, a slightly bigger guy with crazy brown hair that was all over the place and who got angry fairly easily. 
We would chill out on the asphalt basketball court that was out in the field, away from most of everyone else. We decided to call this place the hot spot. And yes, that's copyrighted. Not really, but it should be. Man, that guy never shuts up, does he? Well, I'm probably not going to pop up often, so he can go on all he wants. But let me first say something on the subject of love. Oh, when the heart doth desire and the mind retires, so dost my weary soul sing. For what love has been lost and what love has been gained at the end of all things. The door is open, so why do I hesitate to knock and to drink? For the heart of man and mind of man is not rock, and so my weary soul sings. William Shakespeare. Not really, but it should be. So we come to that point, yes, that point, in every single one of these stories, the part that gets people so excited, wait for it, Stephen meets a girl. Oh my goodness, yes, he meets a girl of certain charm that would succeed in turning him into a sad puppy dog. Well, I'll let the poor pooch say it himself. Mulberry was a great place. But my entire life wasn't based there. I had church too, and, well, that was it, basically. It was on a particular Sunday morning, when the sun was just right, and the feeling of summer collided with the feeling of fall. So perhaps you could call it the feeling of spring. I like summer better, or Saul, but spring is good too, I guess. It was a church party of sorts, and I was sitting with my family as the boring conversation was spread around the adult table. They told me to go play volleyball, but I wasn't no volleyball player. However, as I got to up to go get something to eat, it happened. I was awestruck. There stood the most beautiful woman in the world. She was a little shorter than me and had long flowing brown hair that as the sun hit it, danced like golden fire. She had the bluest crystal eyes I had ever seen. And for one second, she looked at me with them. And that was it. My heart was snared. I tried to hide my feelings as I quickly turned away and walked towards my original course of eating but I couldn't help but overhear her name as I passed by. Rose. What else would it be for such a flower? Before I knew it, I was playing volleyball and catching every glimpse I could of her bright, smiling face. She was the perfect picture of an angel, and I knew from that moment on it would be her walking down the aisle towards me and being my future bride. Now if only I could talk to her. Yeah, this is not going to end well. See you in the next chapter.